Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm Scott Harvey and I'm joined as always by my co-host Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, it's an episode 42 years in the making as we review the conclusion to the Skywalker saga, Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. To help us with this task today, we have Jay Habib, our co-host from the Star Wars Countdown series, joining us for the review. Jay, how are you doing? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. And thanks again for having me on for the Star Wars Countdown. That was a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to dissecting this last Star Wars movie together. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. There's a lot to talk about here, and uh, we're certainly glad we could have you on for the Star Wars Countdown series. It was uh, very fun for Scott and I just to see your initial reactions to uh, these movies that somehow you had uh, managed to never hear about. And if you uh, are out there listening to this and you haven't checked out our Star Wars Countdown series, definitely check that out in our right right here in the feed where you found this episode, uh, because we reviewed every single Star Wars movie, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to review this one here in just a second. But first, Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, I saw The Rise of Skywalker last night, which is later than both of you. You guys saw it earlier in the weekend. You saw it on the Thursday night previews, I think, Scott. Yeah. So, yeah, you. it was a long buildup to it over the course of the week. Of course, the world premiere being Monday. So Scott and I getting a lot of those critical reactions kind of first thing Tuesday morning when the embargo lifted. And uh, seeing it was was, was a lot for us, let alone seeing the movie, which we'll talk about here in a second. But having to endure the Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, even most of Sunday, because I didn't see it till last night, was a a test. I I did avoid all spoilers. Not that that there were too many spoilers to be had, really, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I think, just based on everything that they kind of showed in the trailers, there are obviously answers to questions uh, that had been building up in episode seven and eight would have been spoilers. But... Uh, I stayed spoiler free and uh, it was it was an experience last night, to say the least. Yeah, you know, even for me going to see it on Thursday night, I, there was still quite the build up because, like you said, we did get those reactions and reviews st- starting at the uh, starting on Tuesday and the, the screening was on Monday. So I was hearing things all week. And Jay, I know you did a good job when we did the Star Wars countdown series of kind of shielding yourself from everything that was out there about any of these movies. Um, and so I'm guessing you were able to do the same uh, for, for this movie. But uh, I, I was unable to do so just because uh, all over Twitter and stuff and, all, you know, with the amount of people I follow, there's just I guess I could have muted the words like some people did. But yeah. uh, just, and you sought it out, too. I, I, I certainly yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. But ultimately, I have to say and, and I'll talk about this when we get into the movie, but I am glad that I read the reviews beforehand oh, yeah. because I knew generally sort of what to expect. I didn't have know any major spoilers like Scott, but I knew generally what to expect. Uh, and. It, it affected my expectations going into the movie, which I was think important, which yes, which I think um, ultimately changed the experience that I had in, a, in some way. But with that being said, I think we can just get into the movie now, uh, get to the thing that people came to hear, which is our view of The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker picks up after the events of The Last Jedi with Daisy Ridley's Rey, John Boyega's Finn and Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron locked in battle with the First Order in search of a Sith Wayfinder that will aid the Resistance. And the Resistance desperately need the help, because not only is Adam Driver's Kylo Ren hell-bent on victory, but Ian McDermott's Emperor Palpatine is seemingly back from the dead and intent on turning Rey to the dark side, ending the Jedi Order once and for all. With new allies in Carrie Russell's Zori and Naomi Aki's Janna, our band of heroes must lay it all on the line with the future of the Force hanging in the balance. Jay, we'll start with you. And I should say we're, we'll be, we will be getting into spoilers from the very beginning. So keep that in mind. And Jay, we'll start with you. 
Does J.J. Abrams bring the Skywalker saga to an epic and stirring denouement, or is this final chapter an overstuffed dud? I'm going to start this the same way I started talking about the very first Star Wars movie we reviewed, which was, this was so much fun, um, but we didn't really think that was a good movie, did we? <laughs> <laughs> this time um, I agree with you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to hear it because ultimately, and I know, you know, the amount of anticipation and the level of anticipation I was feeling was probably a lot less than, you know, many other people given my late introduction to the fandom and whatnot. But I felt so underwhelmed as a whole coming out of this movie. Okay. Well, Scott, how about you? Your initial thoughts on the movie? Yeah. So like you, Scott, I had uh, adjusted my expectations appropriate with the critical responses that I was seeing. Of, of course, there was some mix of critical responses in there as well. Not sure. not all of it was you know totally negative, um, but you know I knew that I should not have Avengers Endgame level expectations <laughs> for these movies. And I know you, you joked about this on Facebook, Scott, but uh, we had a very brief conversation where I uh, posed the question to you: Were you prepared for several the, weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, several weeks ago. Where, were you prepared for? the conclusion to the Skywalker saga to actually be a bad movie. Uh, and you said no at the time. And you also said no. And I also said no at the time. And guys, I have really bad news. This is a bad movie. I think that this is a bad movie. I think, I mean, it's maybe better than Attack of the Clones. I mean, we'll see. When was Attack of the Clones released? 2002? Uh, yeah. We'll see if 17 years from now, I still think Attack mm. of the Clones is, is worse than this movie. But this, I do not think this is a good movie. I am a little bit fresher on it than both of you. And so maybe that would change with a couple more days time, but the, the it's been 12, about 16 hours since I walked out of the movie theater and by the hour, this, I get more frustrated with this movie and like the, the parts, the like emotional bits of the movie. Cause I hesitate to even say parts cause it's really just bits of the movie that do resonate with me, you know, talking about the cinematography, the score, I think ultimately they're outweighed by just every dis like both from a think one both of them in one dimension in which I'm disappointed by what the film does, and then a second dimension in which not only am I disappointed, but I think that the actual decisions make for a bad story. They make for like bad character development, and and sometimes don't even make any sense at all. Refuse to to even explain certain things that happen with like any attempt to explain things that happen, like let alone make a bad attempt to explain what happened. Uh, like a lot of my favorite parts of episode seven and eight. I mean, we talked about the, well, especially Kylo Ren, but then particularly the relationship and that dynamic that Kylo and Ray have, especially how that was developed over the course of episode eight, which was my favorite and still is my favorite Star Wars movie. And I think that this film, although I think it, it holds up for the first half of the film, that, that particular dynamic that I liked so much, the second half, it just, it almost just becomes like a complete joke mm -hmm. uh, to me. And, it was a real, real searing disappointment. Um, I think moderated only by the fact that I had let my expectations down before I saw the movie. Yeah, no, you know, Scott, when you asked me that question a few weeks ago and I said, no, I'm, I don't think this is going to be a bad movie. You know, I had several, several things in mind. One was that JJ Abrams made the force awakens, right? Which is my favorite star Wars movie. Um, and I just, I, I think that, my initial thought was that he cares too much about Star Wars and the people involved with this movie care too much about Star Wars to let the movie, to, to let the franchise not go out on a high note, especially after The Last Jedi, right? Because while we, all three of us really like The Last Jedi, um, 
most people did, or a, a, a very vocal, a vocal minority, a vocal subset of the Star yeah. Wars fan base did not. And I think that Disney certainly had that on their mind. And I, you know, I, I understood that going into the movie that Disney certainly had that on their mind. And so, my impression was that they would try to make a movie that was going to, as much as you can with Star Wars, appeal to everyone in the Star Wars community. Um, and I think that that's what J.J. was able to do for the most part with The Force Awakens. Like there there are some people that don't like The Force Awakens, of course. But for the most part, the old school fans liked it because of the nostalgia moments. And the new school fans um, also enjoyed it because of, you know, the the new story that it created with these new characters. And I thought that the reason that movie works so well is because J.J. struck the perfect balance of nostalgia and moving things forward. And I think Ryan Johnson continued to move things forward with The Last Jedi. Um, you know, we went in exciting directions. Um, we looked at the Force and we looked at the character of Luke Skywalker in ways that, you know, people had never envisioned in the Star Wars universe. And it, it was exciting because, again, Ryan Johnson was moving things forward just as J.J., I think, moved things forward with The Force Awakens, even as he still had those nostalgic moments. This movie moves things far backwards um, because I think in their quest to make a movie that appeals to everyone, they've shown that they don't really understand what appeals to everyone. Um, and instead, they've just tried to throw something in there. They've just tried to throw a bunch of fan service moments in there, a bunch of characters coming back, a bunch of moments that have been talked about that, you know, on wish lists, on Reddit message boards and everything um, of people wanting and say, hey, look, this is what the fans want. And, and it's, that's simply not the case. There are some fans who, yes, want wanted certain moments that happened in this movie to happen. But then there are other fans who I think um, wanted so, at least some iota of respect to be shown to what Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi. And I don't think that that was done here in The Rise of Skywalker. I don't think that, and again, it's hard to know who to blame because I, I hesitate to throw too much of the blame on J.J. Abrams just because we we have seen what he could do with The Force Awakens. But at the same time, I don't think he can be completely absolved from responsibility, especially with some of the choices that were made here. At the same time, I think that Disney has to be one of the, the big parties to blame here in trying to, I mean, ultimately what they have done is kowtow to that vocal subset of fans who didn't like The Last Jedi uh, by virtually retconning certain elements of The Last Jedi. And um, what do you think it's Disney or do you think it's Lucasfilm? Pr probably a little bit of both. Because yeah. um, Kathleen Kennedy is the one in charge. Sure, of sure. Um, and yeah, the result, like I said, is a movie that I think disregards certain, the most exciting events and like the general thematic spirit of The Last Jedi in a way that I cannot get past. And even as I can look back over the movie and somewhat separate my disappointment, and I will say regarding my disappointment, this is the most disappointing movie of my entire life. Like I, I like it's a strong take, I know, but it's 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 true because like I, you can't have expectations like you have for this film for other movies, right? Which is right. part of it. Even even tempering my expectations going into this, like you know, I, I was of the mind that if they finish things strong, this was going to be the best Star Wars trilogy. This is going to beat the original trilogy fairly comfortably. I think we even said that on the Star Wars yeah. countdown. Now it's not even close because this movie has brought things down so much, I think. Uh, but I, I'm able to separate my, as much as I'm able to separate that disappointment from like looking back over the movie and understanding that it did does do certain things well that we will talk about. I cannot get past that bar of certain, certain things that it does. I mean, look, we're, we're talking spoilers, so 
the, the reveal of Ray's lineage and the way that it treats Finn's force powers, for but example. Villanelle with the, her mother. The, <laughs> the relationship between Kylo and Ray and the way that that ultimately comes to a head. All of these things, I think, you know, and, and, and of course, perhaps most glaringly, and this is where I think J.J. Abrams can be blamed the most, is the way that this movie treats the character of Rose, um, which is to say it doesn't treat her in any way at all. It completely removes her from the Star Wars. She, she's there, yeah. but her being there almost makes it worse. Yeah. But I mean, these are all things I want to talk about, but those are my general thoughts. I think that this movie is a colossal disappointment. And while there are things that it does well, um, the the ultimate my ultimate conclusion is that I cannot get past the disrespect shown for the last Jedi, what Ryan Johnson's vision was, and for people who like the last Jedi. Um, and it's borderline cowardly to to again to kowtow to this vocal subset of fans. Um, and, and beyond and, that, I do like I'll sit here and and talk about last Jedi aside. I mean, I feel everything that, that you're saying mm-hmm. there, Scott. Like especially because we all, I mean, everyone who listened to the podcast knows that that's my favorite film in the Star Wars franchise. And I've loved almost everything that Ryan Johnson did. But beyond that, I think even if you remove like the disrespect that it shows, I still think the creative choices they're making to not only kowtow to the part, but then like once they've already kowtowed, the the, uh, further decisions they're making are bad decisions. They're bad storytelling and story creation decisions. It doesn't produce a good film. Um, You know, fan service, successful fan service or not, the movie has... Requires requires a ton of plot conveniences. There's some bad dialogue in places, um, and ultimately, there's just so many things that are unexplained. There are so many unanswered questions, um, and they just want you to kind of forget about that and just surrender your emotions to, yeah. you know, the again the the constant fan service moments. And while there were some of those moments that worked for me, and ultimately, I did cry at the end. Like, there's just there was. No way that I wasn't going to get emotional at some point in this movie, but I'm an emotional person. I expected to be a wreck throughout this movie, and it wasn't until probably the last five minutes of the film that this movie finally broke me down. And I think that says something about, um, you know, what the whether the movie is successful or not, at least in my book. But anyway, the general impressions. Uh, <laughs> that was our general impressions. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's get into uh, to, to specifics more. I want to start with the cast. Jay, obviously, we have a lot of returners here. Um, the the central sort of quartet of Daisy Ridley, uh, John Boyega, um, Oscar Isaac, and Adam Driver. Um, some new characters in the mix that I mentioned there. Ian McDermott returning as Emperor Palpatine, of course. Who stood out for you uh, from the cast in a good way or in a bad way? This is tricky for me um, for some of the reasons you touched on, you know, namely not liking the direction in which stories went. Like I can think, you know, Adam Driver is still like an incredible actor, but I, you know, hate ninety percent of what they did with him uh, in the story. Um, similarly, you know, I've I've always been a fan of uh, Ian McDermott's Emperor Palpatine, but his kind of forced return to this movie, no pun intended, um, was you know, it didn't, it just kind of fell flat for me. Like I wasn't nearly as excited as I thought I would be to see him on screen and pulling the strings and whatnot. Um, Daisy, Daisy Ridley did a great job in my book again, you know, with, you know, creative choices aside. And again, I, I think that's hard to separate. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts too. You know, I, I thought she did well, um, you know, with what she was asked to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about McDermott's Palpatine is that I think it's very clear. I, I, there was some doubt going into the movie, like, was this in the plan? It's very clear after seeing the movie that there, this was not in the plan to bring Emperor Palpatine back. 
And then I think this was a way, again, of fan service because people have wanted Emperor Palpatine to come back um, during this trilogy at some point. But I think when you look at this movie and the way he was used and the complete lack of an explanation as to how he's even alive, you know, where has he been? What has he been doing all of this time? Well, he's been on exit. Exegy. Well, right. So he, we, I guess we figured that, that he's been there. But that the complete lack of an explanation as to, you know, in, any sort of backstory for him. Yeah. How he survives we, the power right, reaction. Since we saw thing. him die, quote unquote, die in Return of the Jedi. Um, it they is, wipe it away with that one line from the prequel, right? That he uh, says to Kylo Ren. They said to Anakin about, you know, the force. Uh, yeah. I forget the exact wording of it. And diehard fans will kill me for it. But essentially, you know, the force. Yeah can do unnatural things, right? The the, the, the dark side of the, the diehard fans the have already logged movie. off since yeah. when they heard we didn't like the movie. Sure. But, um, Fair enough. But yeah, I think that the, the way that it treats Palpatine, I think it shows that they did not have his return in the plan and that they didn't really have any sort of plan whatsoever for this movie at all. Yeah. I think Jay, like, honestly, if you let JJ do the entire trilogy, he probably would have brought Palpatine back yeah. to be fair, but JJ was never going to do this entire trilogy. Like it was going to be Colin Trevorrow, which I mean, I don't know. Would I? Would have I preferred Colin Trevorrow's episode nine? I mean, may, no. honestly, maybe <laughs> this movie's terrible. Like, I, I got. I don't know. Like, I just think that. If well, I'll, I'll just segue into my answers now. Like yeah. again, it. I don't even want to call this a movie of two halves, but I do want to say that I, th- I still think Adam Driver is the best part. Is the best part of this movie. Um, like I know, I know, I said Luke was the best part of episode eight, and I stand by that for sure. But like he was still Kylo, and Adam Driver's performance was still one of the standouts for me in episode eight. And I think it carries through for like the first hour and a half of episode nine. And then the last 30 to 40 minutes is out of Adam Driver's control because what they choose to do with his character is a freaking joke in my mind, Mm -hmm. like a terrible, terrible end to to his arc uh, in my opinion. And I think that I still love the performance that he gives them. And I think that is the standout positive performance. If you're not, it turns out standing out negative performances. Like I, I I don't know. I don't think anyone really stands out and given a like particularly bad performance. Yeah. I think there are so many bad character choices in this movie. I mean, you, you mentioned Kelly Marie Tran's Rose. I mean, Kelly Marie Tran was, was good for the 30 seconds that I saw her on screen. Like, honestly, like if JJ wanted to cut and Disney and Lucasfilm or whoever the heck it was, wanted to cut her out after the backlash from episode eight, they should have just cut her out. Yeah. They should have just cut her out completely and not had her in the movie. And and, and this is just to, to jump in there. This is part of my problem with the way that the movie treats the last Jedi. It's that there's this artifice there of, Oh no, we're, we're respecting what happened in the last Jedi. Like, look, this she's, person exists. She's still a character. And this, they do the same thing with Ray's lineage, like jumping ahead. I think that what, what they were nothing, right. What, what Adam driver said is like, Oh, you know, I never lied to you or anything. I'm like, I don't, just stop like just come out and say that you lied to her like right like why are you trying to to make it so like people who like the last jedi be like no there's no like there's no contradiction here between what happened in the last jedi and what happens here he never lied you know he just didn't know the the reality about her parents no just stop like because that's not appealing to anyone right like the people who like the last jedi we're not gonna we're not gonna buy that and the people who don't like the last jedi they don't care they just want like the reveal that right they just want the reveal that she's so like in his attempt to be like no we are respecting the last jedi i think jj like completely loses the plot uh, but I mean, mini rant over. Anything yeah. else you want to say about the cast? Yeah, I love. Uh, I guess the strong performances. I love Lupita Nyong'o's Maz Kanata. I think Maz is is great. Uh, Doesn't have much to do here. I was gonna say she should have had more. She's really fun. Um, I think that actually, no, I don't know if this is a bad performance, but another character here I think was 
atrociously used was Lando Calrissian. Like, yeah. I honest, honestly don't understand why he was in this movie. Uh, Again, no, fan I was going to say, I take that back. I know exactly why he was in this movie, and I don't know why they thought they needed to do it. Um, and I think that he was absolutely pointless in this film, does absolutely nothing whatsoever for the little screen time that he does have. I mean, he's probably on the screen for 15 minutes at most, not, 10 minutes, maybe even that, 10 yeah. minutes, uh, not on the screen for that long. Not a good character, not a good use of him in this film. And then Carrie Russell's, uh, is it Zori Bliss? I don't know sure. if that's yeah, her that last name right. or not. Zori, I think is her name. But like, honestly, talk about, like this ranks up there with, with Kelly Marie, the usage of Kelly Marie Tran. I mean, like, I know this is maybe a little bit reductive, but beyond her conveyance of the plot, like this character is literally just so just to reassure all the people who are outraged that Finn and Poe might be like might be gay. Like that is the only purpose for this yeah. character to like validate that Poe likes women. And at the end, as like a sort of token of appreciation for everyone who thought like, oh, maybe it would be cool if there were some gay characters in Star Wars. There's like the two the two people making out we in the background. Yeah, we don't the even know what shot. their name is, which shows how meaningful it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, God, guys, this is so poor. This is just so poor. Yeah. Um. I yeah. To go back to what you said, Jay, I I think that you know I, I'm talking about how I have to in in some ways separate my disappointment and like understanding that there were some good things about the film. And I think for me, those are the performances that you highlighted of Adam driver and Daisy Ridley. I think that they, I, I think we're taking for granted how great their performances are in this movie, because I think that the character, the characters and the, the poor choices that the script makes here, I think they would come off even worse if it wasn't for their performances. I think they are able to sell certain decisions and certain choices so well that you 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 almost go with it for most of the movie until, like you said, maybe the last 30 minutes or so with with both Kylo and, and Ray, I think. Um, and I think that that speaks to their their capability as actors and, you know, that their performances, I think, are probably the best thing about this trilogy. And well, Can I, we talk about Ray, actually? Because I'm... So I was kind of on the fence and I didn't talk too much about it in the countdown in the last two episodes that like race, like I just don't think that Daisy Ridley is given very much to do in either episode seven or eight. Like she's, she's cast and that's totally like, it is what it is, but as a fairly one dimensional heroine of like, you know, you're going to be the force for good. Like you're going to be kind of that very altruistic Jedi. You're going to do things because they're right and not have too much nuance. Not, not, not to the extent like Adam driver has so much to do with the internal turmoil that you see in his character. And I was really kind of hoping in vain, I think, for her character to become more complex and to give her more to do. And I'm not saying she doesn't do a good job with what she's given, but Daisy Ridley, like, doesn't have to do very much with this performance, I don't think. Like, beyond, like, the physical, you know, exploits that she has to go through in this film, which I think are more than in the other films than she has to do. I'm not sure she's adding much nuance to the role because she's not asked to because it's not what the role requires. And I'm not convinced that she's a good actress. She's a good actress for this role, but I'm not convinced she's, like, a high, like I said, like a quality actress of like an Adam Driver or even even Harrison Ford. I mean, I think that's a that's a fair point. I, I think I felt similarly about uh, Daisy Ridley's like one dimensionality, like in that, you know, it just never really felt like. I mean, like you said, you know, there, there was no turmoil like internally, but also like she never really struggled with anything, and at least not in Force Awakens, right? Like you know, she was a she was quick to adapt to the Force. She was an ace pilot, like. You know, so in that, like, you know, I feel like she wasn't given that much to do. Um, and I think that, you know, does kind of hold true. I feel like I got more in this movie than I did previously. But, you know, yeah. not as much as we would have hoped, like you said. I think there is some emotional range to her performance. I think that in this movie in particular, she's asked to 
to convey a lot of different emotions. I mean, there's some anger there at certain points in the movie. I'm thinking about the scene with Luke sort of where she's kind of just frustrating and wondering, frustrated and wondering, you know, is this all worth it? And, you know, is this, is this just kind of a pointless journey for me? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I, am I doomed to surrender to the dark side and, you know, surrender to Kylo? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that's an element that we haven't really seen in some of the other, um, movies and, and in her performance. And I think that there's, there's fear as well that we get in her performance. One of my favorite moments in the movie is that force showdown between her and Kylo um, in the desert when they're, you know, battling with the force and then yeah, all of a sudden raise yeah. force lightning shoots out. I like that almost took my breath away in the theater. I was like, Oh my gosh, like that was an amazing moment. I thought um, everyone's else's breath was taken away because Chewie died, but you were well, like, Oh, yeah. force lightning. Chewie didn't die, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that that was an awesome moment. And I think that Daisy really has to show some like vulnerability and like fear in that moment. Right. Because yeah. she has, she's seeing a sign of her, uh, a side of her powers that um, she's never see, seen before. And uh, again, because she, uh, but that's all of force awakens though, because her understanding yeah, to some extent, but t- because her understanding of her family is so muddled, yeah. um, you know, she has to contend with, you know, maybe is she meant to, to join the dark side? Yeah. Um, and so I think that there is there's more emotional range to the character in this movie. And maybe that's one thing that the movie does relatively well. Mm-hmm. Um, enough for me to say that I, I do think Daisy Ridley gives one of the best performances of this trilogy. And mm-hmm. I hope that she will get more roles outside of this, because this is something we talked about, Scott. But, you know, like looking back at the original trilogy, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, with the with the exception of Harrison Ford, these people didn't really do much outside of Star Wars after, you know, the, the trilogy. for different reasons, but definitely true for Mark Hamill yeah. outside of like the Joker is in the anime. Sure. Stuff. I mean, that's not, that's, that's just that's a voice, voice performance. Yeah. Voice yeah. Work, yeah. Um, and so I hope that we get to see more from, from Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. I think Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver are, you know, I mean, they're, movie they're stars A-list. at this point. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll continue to see them, but yeah. uh, I do that's think the thing she I was concerned about performance here. is that like, she's not booking anything outside of Star Wars. Yeah. That's concerning. Maybe now that it's over, maybe that will, you yeah. know, her I'm schedule. Sure she'll be, her she'll be in a live open. action remake, I'm sure, for yeah. Disney. Well, her schedule's <laughs> open now. So uh, I hope we'll see more of her. But yeah, I think I, I generally agree about the other performances. And with regards to the new characters, I think we do have to to spend a moment on easily the best new character. Uh, and that is Babu Frick. Um, Jay, anything you want to say about our, our little friend here who we get to meet in this movie for the first time and unfortunately for too short of a time, in my opinion? I mean, I think you said it right there. We definitely didn't get enough of him. Um, yeah. He was easily, you know, my favorite new addition to the movie, an absolute scene stealer. Yeah, and that's the problem with introducing new characters into episode nine of a nine part, mm-hmm. you know, series is that you're he, not going to get any time with new characters. He reminded me a little bit of Salacious Crumb, who's like the little sidekick that that Jabba has in Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, I think I think the the thing with this is though is that like in order to be a successful new addition to the cast you have to feel like you belong in the last part yeah. of a nine part series and i think babu frick feels that way because it's not super serious like the character is lighthearted and played for comedy in the right way where so much of the comedy in this movie otherwise i think goes goes a little bit off base and it doesn't really land i mean the whole adam driver grunting when he jumps onto the chain and the and movie. going ow yeah, yeah I was that like, was what? so weird <laughs> yeah, was i actually think strange. the comedy is pretty good otherwise but okay yeah. well I, yeah i mean sure but I, that one just sticks in my mind so much because it was toward the end i guess but i think that babby frick fits, fits that way and the performance is good right it's a it's a it's the right 
kind of character you're looking for in you know the last hour of a yeah. of a I mean however many hours this is like 18 to 20 hour series right the problem is is then you have a character like Zori or Janna even who's played by Naomi Aki so Naomi Aki and Carrie Russell who feel like they deserve more mm -hmm. than a sub sub role in this nine part series because they're so interesting and, and there there's a lot of background to explore there um and so if you if you're going to introduce those kind of characters like you're you're going to left be left wanting more in a bad way so with babu frick you're left wanting more in a good way like that it was a good standout it did well but with a character like zori or Jana, you want more in a in a bad way i think because you're like well i don't understand why this character was introduced in a way to make them important yeah. if it's the last part in the series, like take Avengers, I know this is a maybe this is an unfair reference, but take Avengers Endgame. Like, how many new characters are there in Avengers Endgame? Yeah, well, I mean, there's exactly there's so the many characters that there's like not even room for new characters, really. But sure, but I'm just saying, like, but like you don't introduce sure. new characters in the last part of your, you know, twenty. Well, that I mean, Avengers is even longer, but like twenty, mm. you know, in your in your series. Yeah, um, no, I agree, and and I, I do want to give a shout out to. And I mean, we're going to do our MVPs at the end, but I always get my MVP vultured because I go last. So I want to go ahead and, and air mine out here, which is C-3PO is awesome in this movie. Yeah. Um, Anthony Daniels. Anthony like Daniels it. crushes it. Yeah. Um, and when I talk about the humor working, a lot of it was uh, was from C-3PO. I think, yeah, he, he hasn't, he and R2 both have not had much to do in the sequel trilogy, unfortunately, but he definitely gets um, like some of the most emotional moments. Like we saw that moment. He gets in the, the most emotional moment, which is the moment from the trailer. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that's not, that's not exactly my opinion, but um, that is one of the most emotional moments. I think the moment that we see in the trailer when he's getting his, his memory wiped and everything, but that also leads to, to some great comedy. I think one of the funniest moments to me is when Babu Frick is mentioned and he says, Oh, Babu Frick, he's one of my oldest All friends. friends. Yeah, uh, that, that, was, that got me, but that was C3PO is a definite MVP of this movie for me. And I think that probably, as good as he is, I think that maybe that indicates the quality of the movie because if it's the, if you're talking about the last movie of this trilogy, like Ray or Kylo or Finn should be the one who is coming away as our MVP. But uh, for me, it's the comic relief character. Yeah. And I will give Anthony Daniels his his credit as well here because he is the only character who's an only actor who's in every Star Wars yeah. movie because Jimmy V, who had been R two in all the other movies, wasn't R two in this. Ken one. Kenny Baker, right? I thought Jimmy V did R two D two. I thought it was Kenny Baker, but anyway. Um, at least he does the, maybe he does the stuff. I know Jimmy V does like the puppeteering at least. Okay. Um, anyway, let's, well, before we get to the bad, I mean, we've gotten into the bad some, but before we get to some of the choices made in the story, let's give a moment to talk about the action scenes, which I think are very good in the movie. Jay, were there any that stood out for you in particular? The moment of the, you know, the first uh, appearance of the force lightning, right? As you mentioned, you know, was it like an absolute, breath stealer like you know that took it all away um i, I mean nothing i guess like really if I, if I think about it in the grand scheme of all of star wars like you know it was like epic in nature i guess but like you know the the action itself like doesn't really stand out to me um you know the fight on uh i'm forgetting the name of the planet where the of the remains of the death star you know was like interesting enough endor. um endor thank you and you know the final battle again you know was like you know epic yeah, you know, for multiple reasons, but you know, the the actual action itself, like, you know, didn't stand out to me too much. And maybe that's just because as the movie went along, you know, I was kind of slumping deeper in my seat. Uh, you know, feel how and how I was feeling about the movie. I don't know if you guys felt differently or not. Scott, 
Yeah, I for me, and I mentioned this to Scott before we started recording, is I just found the action in this movie exhausting. Like it just felt like there were so many lightsaber battles, particularly between Ray and and Kylo, that it just all felt the same. Uh, and by the end, I was kind of relieved that you know, even though we'll talk about maybe the last sequence as well with Palpatine and, and on, is it? I'm already forgetting the name. Is it Zylid? No idea. No idea. Uh, anyway, whatever the last planet is that I'll remember in a second. Um, I think that, you know, one of the, one of the things that it was, I just found the lights are exhausting. It felt like there were three different or four different ones. Maybe there weren't, that wasn't even the case, but just like three or four scenes where Kylo and Ray were facing off. And, it, and by the end, it was just kind of exhausting. It all felt the same. And what we talked about, particularly with episode eight is that the one climactic, you know, set piece lightsaber moment was so memorable because it was so different than any other action sequence again, Star Wars, where it's just like every action sequence that you see in this movie, you can point to a different movie that did a similar action sequence better, I think. And that's maybe a little bit unfair because, again, this is putting it all into one. But it just seemed like this entire movie from an action perspective, and I know this is maybe often overused from a critical perspective, was just like a a total assault on the senses. And I just felt like battered, you know, deeper into my seat. And in that sense, like I did enjoy the scene, Scott, that you were talking about in the desert. Uh, on the planet whose name I cannot remember, um, not Kajimi because that's the city, but um, that planet, and you know, it's the scene from the the original trailer too, where she yeah, slices, the, yeah, yeah, slices uh, one of the like one arm off of Kylo's ship, yeah. and then has this face off with Kylo in the desert. But that's not a lightsaber battle. Like that doesn't end up being a lightsaber battle. That's a showdown in, in a different way. Right, and, and that's and that is why I like the scene because yeah. it's something different, and I think that those are my favorite things in this movie, right? When it, when it's something different, just like the last Jedi was something different. And so, it, you know, eventually what that scene scene becomes is a force duel between the two of them. Again, like I said, that ends with, uh, with the force lightning coming out of Ray's hands. Mm-hmm. I also keeping the vein of something different. I like the climactic scene of riding horses onto a star destroyer. Like that is just wild and awesome. Like I, I really, some people I think have had issues with this scene just because like, Oh, how could you happen? How, how could you do anything in this universe? Um, I, I think that if you're, if you're We're trying to analyze atmosphere. it from a logical perspective, like yeah. it, forget it, but like riding onto the surface of a star destroyer. Like I like that because that's something different. It's not like the, the original trilogy of, okay, we got to fly and you know uh, we have to shoot this, shoot, shoot into this one particular weak spot on the, on the ship. And that's going to destroy it. I like, yeah. I want to see something different. And I felt like, in the context of the movie, it made sense, right? Because they were outnumbered. They they needed to do something unconventional in order to defeat the First Order. And so riding horses onto the surface of... I mean, that's wild. That's some John Wick stuff right there. And I, I, I like... It's the, actually straight out of John Wick 3, actually. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Well, I, so part of me... So I, I hear what you're saying there, but part of me just felt like that Rogue One did that better. Like the the kind of the dogfight in a... Like over... Like outnumbered dogfight on... like someone else's ter- on the enemy territory. Yeah. It's true that they didn't ride horses in Rogue One for sure. That adds a different flavor. But again, it just felt like the feel of that scene felt like Rogue something from Rogue One and Rogue One. I mean, we would, I think we'd all agree that Rogue One uh, did, did it better. Yeah, no, Rogue One, far better film. Um, Agreed. And, and from a, from a technical perspective, like this isn't really an action moment, but 
I mean, I do think that the first part of the movie is the best. The first 45 minutes to an hour is the best part, section of the movie. And I really like the festival that's going on. on Kusana. that. Desert. Yeah, it's like this like Coachella. Somebody said it was like Desert Coachella or something like it. it uh, I was thinking more like Burning Man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of. And Lando shows up and shoots the um, first order or the stormtrooper who has tracked them down. Yeah. Um, and and I, I liked that scene. Again, it's something different. It's something we haven't seen in Star Wars before. For and unfortunately, there are a precious few moment moments of of something different in this movie. And with that, I think let's get into the story and some of the big moments in the story. And I think we can start with you know the first line of the crawl, right? The dead speak, uh, and that is referring, of course, to Emperor Palpatine and his return. Something that has been forecasted since the first trailer. Um, and Jay, I'm wondering if you think that you know did you like the handling of Emperor Palpatine here? Do you think it was even necessary to bring him back at all? Um, what did you think about what we see of this character in the film? So pertaining to the title crawl to begin, I mean, I, it you know kind of really threw you into it, right? And I, I guess I would find out after that the actual broadcast was in a video game somewhere or like if you, I, I don't even know what it was. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it threw you into it. And I, you know, I thought I would find that exciting. Um, and I guess I ultimately didn't. Um, like, like I said, it just fell flat for me. I, I can't even really place why. Like, I, maybe you know, the Emperor. We talked about this a little bit, you know, when we did the original trilogy. Like, the Emperor really isn't much else other than just you know this like menacing figure. Like, we don't really get you know him like doing much, if that makes sense. And I don't know. Like, you know, we we talked about uh, how you know, they were catering to like in that loud minority of Star Wars fans. And like you said, you know, the, the more it went on, the more it felt like this wasn't part of the original plan. And it, to me, you know, did feel really forced and sucked like the wind out of the sails of everything that we had been, you know, building on. Right. I ultimately feel like, you know, even if they were eventually going to do this, like it, the, the execution just didn't sit well with me. Yeah. Jay, let me ask you, are you, are you worried at all or bothered at all about the implications of, the ending of Return of the Jedi, given that the Emperor is back now and that Darth Vader, that Anakin Skywalker doesn't kill uh, the Emperor at the end of the movie. Like, does that does that taint the way that you look at the ending of Return of the Jedi at all now? So, like, weirdly enough, I was thinking about, like, not it's directly that, but I was thinking about, you know, things like the prophecy and, you know, how Anakin yeah. had, like, kind of redeemed, like, redeemed himself in a way. Uh, you know, in, in maybe he maybe he brought balance to the force for a little bit. Exactly, and you know, a lot of that I guess is kind of wiped away, right? Like, and like I'm not sitting here like, how could they do that to Anakin? But it certainly did feel like it undermined a lot of that. Yeah, well, um, Hayden Christensen deserves it. So, well, <laughs> but I mean, and that, I mean, yes, and and that is the entire arc, though, of the the first six movies, right? The entire. The, it's about Anakin. Yeah, it, it, it's all leading up to that moment when he, you know, quote unquote, brings balance to the force. And I think it cheapens it and trivializes it to be like, well, he only brought balance for a little bit. And now the Emperor's back. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on Emperor Palpatine? Yeah, I mean, Emperor Palpatine, I never was a fan of this when they first revealed it in the trailer um, at, at Star Wars Celebration. I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Wherever the hell they revealed D23. I'm not sure where. It was, it was celebration. It was celebration. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of it then. I'm not a fan of it now. And I think the fact, at least, I was hoping for some semblance of like a logical story yeah. or like some sort of explanation as to how Palpatine 
survive. But like their explanation is that is that first line in uh in in the crawl, and then like he's been every voice in Kylo's head ever. Uh, which he like, created Snoke, right? Like that's another yeah, thing he, we learned. Yeah, the the like very uh, like offhanded pass that you see this whatever this Snoke creature is in this yeah. sort of like pod uh, at the very beginning of the movie with with the scene with Kylo, and just like. I mean, that's cool and all, but like, it's not wow. Cool. <laughs> well, no, it's like cool and all that you did that, but I, and in in some semblance of or world where you hadn't had two whole movies, big flex, yeah. Uh, that it's just like wow, like that that's like a deeper fake than the deep fake <laughs> than the other deep fakes. Um, it's just like it's total garbage, right? Like we talked about, and this is a bit of a broader comment about some other story elements. Uh, and, and other devices in the plot, but like we talked about in episode eight, how we liked the new uses of the Force, uh, and how we thought that that was really interesting and that made a lot of sense because you know how could all these you know Force users only be restricted to like three or four Force powers, uh, and we never see any new introductions to them. And so in that sense, you see that continue here mm-hmm. in episode nine. You you see it continued actually in the Mandalorian, and then that makes way for what we see in episode nine with this sort of healing power that you now have with the force, because we actually do see that for the first time in the Mandalorian with baby Yoda's character, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But it's just like one of the, one of the, the weird force things though, is that JJ's like, you know what? Ryan started to introduce new star Wars powers into our universe. Let's, let's just go crazy and add a bunch of stuff that's convenient to our plot. So you have again, like the force healing thing, which I was fine with, but I don't understand what the hell was going on at the end with Kylo. Like, giving his life to yeah, well, to ray or whatever that right. was and like this whole like idea of like a force dyad we haven't seen this in generations millennia even like that's not explained at all and i think that all ties into the fact that you were saying scott and you know jay that you were agreeing with is that there is no plan for this story whatsoever yeah. like what's going on here with like palpatine being alive and then like because the, the whole it's just like crazy because the whole rest of the movie just caves it caves under the influence that like Palpatine is alive. We have to bend everything to fit this narrative. And to me, it, it, none of it worked. Yeah. And the climactic scene, right? I think so much of what happens with him is predictable. Like the climactic scene plays out so similarly to Return, Return of, the of the Jedi. Like he's even almost using some of the same lines about like give in to hate and all this stuff to write. Like strike me down. Right. He's, he's expressing the exact same sentiments. The character has not changed at all. And it's, it, it, yeah, I, I don't even think they should have brought him back at all for the movie, especially because, right, it leads to maybe the, one of the big, the biggest problem I have with the movie, which is the, the Ray lineage reveal, right? Like people, yeah. people have said all along that, you know, going into The Last Jedi, you thought that because of Ray's force power as well, she must be either a Skywalker or a Palpatine. And, you know, what made The Last Jedi so great was... That they said, actually, it's neither. Like anyone can wear the mask, anyone can have the force. The final shot of the Last Jedi is is Broom Boy, right? Um, the final shot of the Skywalker saga is Broom Boy. Yeah, well, unfortunately, not canonically, but um, <laughs> yeah. and the movie completely does away with that here by having Ray be a Palpatine, and and so initially, of course, when this reveal happens from Kylo Ren, I groaned and I thought, I can't believe that they actually did that. I can't believe that they actually you know, retconned this element of The Last Jedi. And then I started thinking and I was like, well, honestly, this is still, I I was trying to like rationalize it and make it okay because, right, like Rey is arguably the most powerful Jedi that we've seen in Star Wars, right? And so it would make sense that her parents are someone who like, again, the Emperor is the most powerful Sith that we have seen 
in Star Wars. So that element, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. But the sticking point for me, and this is getting into another point, was Finn's force powers, right? Yeah. If Finn has that. force powers, then it, then I was like, okay, I'm going to be slightly okay with it, right? Because like Finn is not a Skywalker. He's not a Palpatine. That would still sort of preserve the, the you know, the theme of From the Last Jedi of anyone can wear the mask. But the way that they handle Finn's force powers is so poor and so underdeveloped. He only uses his force powers to locate Ray. Like that is the only time when we see him using his force powers in the movie. And I was so hoping, right, in this climactic scene, right, when Kylo and Ray looked to have been defeated, I was like, all right, here we go. Finn's going to show up and kill the Emperor. And I would have, that would have been so hype to me, honestly, if that had happened, because I think that is something that would have respected The Last Jedi and said, look, anyone can have these force powers and would have brought Finn's story to a satisfying conclusion. But it's like, it's not brought to a satisfying conclusion at all. His, we don't, like understand the depths of his force powers. He doesn't seem like to. He basically has Leia's force powers from the yeah. original trilogy, except Leia was the daughter of of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> right. Um, Jay, what are, what are your thoughts on the lineage reveal and how they handle Finn's force powers in the movie? So when we talked about the Last Jedi, right? I remember thinking, you know, th there was a very good chance that Kylo Ren was lying to Rey when he said her parents were nobody. Um, as part of, you know, the kind of the manipulation of your enemy, the way Snoke had done it to him and he was now doing it to her. Like, and I think if you had told me, like right after I saw the movie, like, yeah, she's actually a Palpatine, I might have been okay with it. Like, and again, like I, I will I will struggle to think about, I will struggle and think about this, you know, for a while about why this just fell so flat. And maybe it's just because the Emperor's inclusion, uh, you know, felt so forced. Ultimately, like, you know, I don't, you know, as a concept, I don't mind that Ray has to be, you know, a descendant of someone, you know, super powerful, you know, like you said, she is arguably the most powerful Jedi, like, it makes sense that she'd be the descendant of someone equally as powerful. That being said, like, I feel like if I left you two in a room and told you you had to make her either a Skywalker or a Palpatine or a Kenobi, like, I feel like you might be able to do it in a way that, you know, didn't feel as forced as this did. Well, thank you. If that makes sense, of course. Take that, Chris Terrio. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, for Finn, I think you summed up my feelings on it uh, in your own and that, you know, I was excited that, you know, he had force powers. I wish, you know, we'd gotten more use out of them. And again, he wasn't just, you know, running a homing beacon on Ray. Um, this is something that, Scott, you complained about a lot in The Force Awakens or complained about uh, his character in The Force Awakens about how his entire character is just this, you know, I need to be there for Ray. I need to save Ray, 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 Ray. And it comes and, back in this movie. I guess necessarily mind it as much in The Force Awakens, but I did it in this one. Yeah, I mean, especially because of the whole loose end of like, we never find out what he wanted to tell Ray. Although apparently J.J. Abrams has said in a post-movie Q&A that it was that he was Force-sensitive. Uh, so great. Sure. Thanks, thank you for including Force-sensitive in to his feelings for Ray. Yeah. yeah see, but, uh, again, to I was just going to say, it definitely sounded to me like, you know, he was trying to say like, you know, I love you. But then, you know, thinking course, about it yeah. more and after seeing the, you know, him, you know, kind of use his force powers, like, okay, maybe that was it. Um, I didn't see that yeah. interview with JJ, but I guess I'm glad he clarified. It's disappointing. Like, like I said, I think it really undoes the, the major theme of The Last Jedi of... Right, like because if you think about the implications of this now, I think that Ray Ray's character was so exciting because... The, the general message that it sends, right? Is that like, 
looking outside the Star Wars universe, you know, you you don't have to be from, you know, a certain family. You don't have to have a certain name. You don't have, it's, it's not these personal details about you that defines who you are. It's about, you know, how you live your life and the choices you make. And um, anybody can be somebody. And I just think that that's, message is undone here like even even with finn we don't really get the full scope of his force powers and you know the the idea that he even has the force in the first place doesn't really resonate from this movie and i think we're left with again if you want to be the force if you want to if you want to have the force if you want to be special you have to be from one of these four families and i just don't think that that's the right message to send like looking outside of the star wars universe just looking at life um, I don't think that's the right message to send to some of the young viewers who are going to be watching this. Scott, your thoughts on lineage reveal, Finn's force powers? Uh, yeah, I, I think that Finn's force powers, like, I didn't have a particular issue with it. The point, the problem was I didn't really understand what the point was because it's not like he, again, like it, maybe it does continue the theme of like every, like anyone can have force powers, like give them credit for that. Like they are trying to, trying to pull through that thread, but it's just done so poorly and it seems like it's an afterthought. To me, I don't, and I don't really understand because yes, Finn has these force powers, but he managed to have like the force power that keeps him as one dimensional as possible. Yeah. Like having this, like, again, to use like, I think it was Jay, like this, like, sort of homing beacon for Ray. Like the most, the, the part that wasn't necessarily, it wasn't cringy in episode seven because it, I think it, it told you and described the kind of place where Finn's character started. With the whole idea of like trying to like guide Ray Ray to safety on Jakku and and kind of being comical in that way, right? That he was unsuccessful in that, and Ray is the one who actually helps them escape. But in this movie, he somehow is right back there again. Like he doesn't really do anything. Like he doesn't really he doesn't save Ray. He doesn't there's, do anything. His character hasn't developed. There's all. a brief moment where they try to have like when he bonds with Janna, right? Over the fact that they were both stormtroopers and. Yeah. Which is a nice moment. Right. But there's just, there's not much follow up on that. Right. And that, and that's because we don't know anything about Janna. And, and yeah. then the, you know, the climactic part of the movie comes into faith. And the reason why nothing is made of that point, Scott, is because Finn is not an important part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, neither is Poe. And w- which is, which is a shame. Uh, in my perspective, yeah. it is, is a real shame because you have these like central four characters um, and they aren't given equal footing in that respect. It, it, it's a story that really sells itself. Uh, into being about this Kylo and Ray dynamic, and I know I keep pivoting the conversation back to that because I just it's what stuck in my mind, and I just think they end that they end that dynamic so poorly. Um, like they they really double down. I think even true in to some extent in the Force Awakens, but especially in the Last Jedi, double down on the dynamic between uh, Ray and Kylo, and then I think to the first, you know, they double they triple down on it here in in Rise of Skywalker as well because it is a very critical part of you know the first hour. I mean the whole movie, but the first hour of the yeah. movie, and then they, they the way that they conclude that dynamic is just so. Poor. And, and I think that again, part of this comes from a decision that that Abrams makes here to do to, to address one of the concerns with the Last Jedi, which is that a lot of people felt that the characters were separated for too long. Which I do th- I do like that Poe, Finn, and Ray are together for a large part of the film. Yes, but at the same time, I think that that does get at some of what you're you're talking about because i think the characters aren't given their own space to breathe and have their own story it's all jumbled together and obviously ray's story is going to take the priority and the prominence because of what it means for the force and you know the jedi and the sith and everything and so but number one the others had their own stories in the original trilogy and they were together for a large portion of it 
Yes and no. I mean, the best movie is The Empire Strikes Back, and they are separate. Separated. At least Luke is separated from them for almost all of that movie. Um, but I think that um, again, by putting them together, you lose some of the emphasis on Ray, on Finn or Poe's character that you might get, and you also because you know Poe and Finn are together with Ray, they're they're you know their in, their protective instinct towards Ray you know comes into play because they are there with Ray, and you know they theoretically can protect her and they ultimately really can't but yeah um, i see what you're saying but i just think it, it yeah. and maybe this does and then maybe this is exactly what you're saying but it just emphasizes the fact that these two characters poe and finn have no actual arc themselves yeah no and, and i think i ultimately agree with that yeah um but moving on you know we talked about kylo's death and sort of how it doesn't really make any sense we don't understand why it happened and i i agree with that and I also agree that I don't think we really understand why Leia's death happens. And of course, Leia's death is something that we we kind of knew was probably going to happen here with Carrie Fisher having passed away a few years ago and then relying on archive archival footage. And, you know, credit to J.J. Abrams here. I think that they make a really good use of the archival footage. I was surprised at how much footage there even is of Carrie Fisher to use here. But she does meet her end by basically she she uses the force to speak to Kylo as he's about to kill Ray and, and convinces him not to kill Ray. But in doing so, it seems to, you know, it it, it kills her. It, it takes everything out of her. And I, I don't know. It, it was it happens so quickly. I think the movie is very fast paced. And um, we I felt like I did not get the time to let that um, that death um, emotionally sink in. And. I also felt like, you know, we we didn't really get the full explanation for why it happened. Like it's similar to Luke's death, but I think with Luke's death we kind of understood what was going on that it, because of the the force projection um it it took everything out of him. I, I I don't know. I just felt like everything with with Leia's character was so rushed. It was like, well, we know what has to be done and they they whisk her away and then, you know, a few minutes later she's she's lying on her bed, she speaks through Kylo and then that's it. It's over. You know, there's one brief moment where where Poe is sitting with her and and talking to her after she's passed, but even that gets protracted uh, and cut off. And so I felt like it was a disappointing end for her. Jay, what, what did you think about Leia's character and the end uh, of this character who has meant so much to the Star Wars universe over six movies? Like you said, I felt like it, you know, came and went very quickly. Um, I think this was actually one of the things I did a better job tapering my expectations towards uh, going into the film because, you know, you guys had told me that, you know, she'd passed away, unfortunately, and that there probably wasn't going to be a lot of footage of her. Um, I read something, and I don't know if you guys think this is a good idea. I mean, I'm, I'm asking, and I, I think I, I'm kind of like on the maybe side of it. But uh, one like so after the film, you know, I was on Twitter and I was reading about a bunch of stuff, and one person's idea was that rather than Han, uh, you know, jumping ahead to this scene, Han speaking to Ben, you know, through like what Ben called a memory, right? Um, if that had been Leia projecting herself as Han through again just some I guess different version of what we saw Luke do uh in The Last Jedi you know that might have been a more fitting emotional end for her character um you know she obviously couldn't project herself because we don't have that footage but you know if that had been her you know maybe that would have been more satisfying I'm on the fence I don't know if I agree with that but I'm curious to hear your thoughts I mean, I guess I think the re, the the unfortunate reality of this is that to get anything satisfying out of the you know wrapping up of Leia's story, 
they would have had to generate like a CGI version of her and have someone, I, I, and then either put together her lines through some sort of computer generated algorithm, which they're able to do uh, of, you know, using her voice to say things um, very similar to what they did at the end of Rogue One with her character as well as with Tarkin, uh, with the character of Tarkin in Rogue One, or they would have had to have her die off screen um, and, or they could have just killed her off in, in The Last Jedi in the moment where she's out there in the in the field in space. So yeah, I think th- th- those are, those are the two options because instead that they they do take this approach where they want to respect this character and use the footage they have and still include her in this film, which I think is admirable. But the problem is all they have is these training you know montages of her with Ray, which is what was, they were originally going to use in the Force Awakens, and that part of the whole entire movie gets doesn't even necessarily get cut because the footage was never even in a version of, of the movie, but it was just unused footage. And so it's unfortunate that that is, that is what happens with the character. And that's the way that she needs to be used. But it was just so un, unsatisfying. Uh, I mean, obviously again, I think it would be more satisfying if she could project herself and talk to Ben, but again, they don't want to do footage of her. They're trying to be respectful. You know, Billy Lord, her daughter gave them permission to use the unused footage um, and, and not, but, but, you know, they didn't want to use to, to CGI create this character uh, for the purposes of the story. And, and that feels right to me too. Like it's not, you know, if the, per- if the person is dead, you know, maybe you shouldn't be using, uh, maybe you shouldn't be recreating their, their image and, and purporting that it's them. It's just, a, it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah, no, exactly. No, it's exactly that. Um, it's just a, it's just an overall, I think, unfortunate situation and they did the best they could with what they had. Uh, but but maybe they should have rewritten the you know that arc and that part of the story to exclude her from the movie if what we're gonna le- be left with is that it's a unfulfilling ending to her character in a way that doesn't necessarily meet how we thought the endings for Han and Luke felt in Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Because it feels like she's getting the short end of the stick. And I understand why, and maybe that was unavoidable given the fact that, you know, of course she she died in 2016. Uh, but it, it it is disappointing. It is very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know that I'm fully on board with that that theory or that you know that proposed way to to you know explain that part of the plot. Um, mainly because I don't think that that Han scene is necessary. Um, yeah, I have to, to transition a little bit. Obviously, we get Han and Luke both coming back, and I'll just go ahead and and before expressing my all of my thoughts, um, I'll go ahead and tell you the Han scene did not work for me. The Luke scene did. Um, And so I am curious to know what your thoughts are about um, Jay, first of all, uh, about the Han scene. You described it as a a memory. I think that's right. I think it's basically him remembering that scene on the bridge in the force awakens when he kills Han Solo. Cause it's Um, not a force ghost. Cause cause Han doesn't have any force power. Right. Um, And then later, of course we get Luke when, when Ray returns to Octu. Um, we get Luke returning and, you know, kind of motivating her to continue on and fight the emperor. Um, what were your thoughts on the return of both Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill here? This is really funny. We actually are in, uh, in disagreement on both of those um, in that the Han scene actually really worked for me. And I, I didn't dislike Luke's scene. Um, I, I felt like and this is touched on some other points uh, where, you know, they, they talk about Luke and then of course he shows up um, at, uh, to talk to Ray, but it felt like they were very much trying to push him up a little bit. 
uh, in that, you know, the last movie was very much, you know, Luke has given up. He is on this, or he is in the most unfindable place in the galaxy and trying to, you know, just live his life as a recluse and whatnot. Um, but then, you know, we spend time talking about how Luke tried to hunt down, um, you know, the place that the Sith finder takes you to. And then of course, like, I mean, his entrance to that scene with Ray is literally him catching the lightsaber, which if you, okay. you know, think yeah. back well, to let me, the, you know, let me jump, let me jump in there because I think, that moment really worked for me because I think, yes, to your point, that's how he starts off The Last Jedi. But the arc that Luke undergoes in The Last Jedi is him realizing that he was wrong to be that way, to be a bitter old man, that he, you know, he he neglected the galaxy and he neglected his powers and uh, his chance to, you know, be, be the hero. And I, I think that he realizes that by the end of The Last Jedi, and, and that's what leads to this scene with him and kylo at the very end of the last jedi that he was wrong to be that way and so i think that that moment actually is in line with the last jedi and continues with the luke that we see at the end of the last jedi um of encouraging ray to you know continue on in her quest and for him to not be the last jedi right like that's exactly what he says at the end of the last jedi is i will not be the last jedi he's trying to you know motivate Rey to, you know, keep the Jedi order going. And so for me, yes, he's not the bitter old man that we see him at the start of the last Jedi, but I think that's because he changes over the course of the last Jedi. And so that's why that moment worked for me, because I think it shows how far he has come since the start of the last Jedi, that he's not throwing the lightsaber away anymore. He's catching it. I mean, sorry, you you can continue. Oh, it's just, I mean, I'll clarify that. It's not my issue that he came back and gave that speech, you know, it just, and maybe again, this has to maybe do with his treatment throughout the movie, like, you know, talking about these adventures that Luke went on again, trying to find, you know, uh, where the Sith were at, you know, and again, like this might just be like concocted in my own head, but it very much felt like they were, you know, almost trying to like apologize for Luke a little bit. Right. Like, and we've talked about how, you know, a lot of star Wars is, you know, them talking about things that we'll never actually get to see. You know, we'll never actually get to see at what point, you know, like Luke Skywalker was going on these missions trying to, you know, hunt down the dagger and whatnot. And like, again, like not so it's not so much for me an issue that he finally came back around. It's just to me, like it felt like that it was trying to punctuate all that stuff from earlier, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and like, I will... sorry, we ruined your favorite Skywalker. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's going to, you know save the day and again it's it's not that he did that's the issue it's just the fact that it felt like it was part of that larger effort if that makes sense yeah i mean that's fair and and to be honest like when i did first see the scene i thought that's exactly what they were trying to do right because because everyone hated i mean you know the the vocal subset of people that hated the last jedi this is one of the their major complaints is that they hated the way that luke was treated but i think that those people just didn't really understand the nuance of what Ryan Johnson does with the character over the course of the film. And that ultimately he does become the heroic um, Luke Skywalker that he has always been by the end of that movie. Um, And so that's why the scene worked for me because although initially I was like, Oh, here we go. Now this is the moment where they erase the Luke that we saw in the last Jedi. I actually think it's consistent and there's, there's not really much inconsistency there with the Luke that we see at the end of The Last Jedi. Scott, what are your thoughts? Well, I also think that just says more about the people who don't like the way Luke is treated because at the end of the movie, Luke Luke is like who they probably wanted the entire time, right? Like my more cynical side of me says that JJ was trying to apologize 
for how Luke was treated in The Last Jedi and just inadvertently has stayed consistent with Ryan Johnson's version of Luke ended up ended up at the end of The Last Jedi. I'll give him a little more credit than that. I think it is more of what you're saying that, you know, these fans didn't understand sure. what was done with Luke and they, they were just too butthurt about, you know, Luke being like I've seen people on Twitter this week and in recent weeks referring to like they, they made Luke a joke and an embarrassment, which is just like. I don't even understand. Like, did you watch the movie? Did you turn it off like an hour in? Like, Scott, Scott's got to simmer down over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, so for me, again, I think, I, I guess my overall thoughts on both these scenes is that they're fine. Like, did I need Harrison Ford to come back and basically just get a, get a second shot at doing the exact same scene yeah. from the end of the Force Awakens again? No. Do I understand how it works in like the context of the story for Kylo and like reliving that memory and then throwing the lightsaber away? Yes. Did it kind of piss me off that I that that wasn't the end of Harrison Ford's time? At you know in this you know series of movies in the six movies that you're I guess well in, in his in his arc in 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 the series it did kind of piss me off that I saw him again. Like I didn't need to. Like we talked about it in the countdown that it was it was a really good ending to his arc. Like the way like him dying for his son, like he had that full arc of being like the roguish bad boy, but like anti-hero kind of feel from episode four to the part where like he's ready to go out there and die. And, you know, that's a beautiful arc. And the fact that you just get this like postscript on his arc of the story just frustrates me a little bit. I understand it's not the character, it's the memory, but the fact that you're seeing Harrison Ford, you know, act again in the series, you know, it was a little bit jarring because I really didn't expect it. I really didn't expect to see Harrison Ford. Uh, again, it took me out in that sense. In terms of Luke, like again, I think it's consistent. I don't, I don't have any problems um, with with this cameo, and it, and I think it makes sense because you know it's not. Do I think that it's weird that he catch like he catches a physical object when we haven't seen a Force Ghost do that before? Yeah, but like I'm not gonna get like my you know I'm not gonna get butt hurt about that. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal. And and I me. think and for me too, like I always understood. Like I, I went into this movie with the the understanding that Luke would was going to, was going to show up like, right. Like think back to return of the Jedi. We see that, that force ghost scene with, with, uh, with Obi-Wan and, and Yoda um, both appearing to Luke in, in return of the Jedi. This is, this is just something that happens, right? Like when, when the master dies, they come back as a force ghost at at a crucial moment. Uh, There's some implication that uh, Qui-Gon, you know, may have done the same thing for Obi-Wan in, you know, perhaps in the Obi-Wan series that we're going to get on Disney plus, but um, that, that is maybe something that Yoda is alluding to at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But yeah. I think I mean, that- the force ghosts for me, the confusing part about that is not, you know, not the scene with Luke, but actually the last scene, which, you know, getting the, the double sun on Tatooine was like a nice touch. And maybe oh. I'm fast forwarding a little bit. I do think that was like a really good, a really good way to, to end, end the film. And it really tugs those emotional uh, heartstrings of, of the series but what I don't understand is why it's only Luke and Leia and not also Ben. Yeah. Uh, as uh, appearing as the Force with them, like why did Kylo uh, not show up alongside Luke and Leia there when when well, I guess when she turns and a, looks? I guess because he's not a Skywalker. Right? He is a Skywalker. I guess. I, I mean, I guess he is. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, he's ne- he's never. You know, he he always is a, is treated as if he is just a solo in the movie. Like, That's like he's always not he, in this. He film. says, "I'm Ben Solo." Like, I I, I guess I. Yeah, I would say that's true in the, in like seven or something yeah, like that. No, I, mean, I didn't feel that way in this movie when it's like Leia and him interacting. Basically, yeah. I mean, again, they just they bungled Kylo's arc. But I, I'm in agreement about the Han scene. I just think it's unnecessary considering he's just sort of rehashing the 
the scene from Force Awakens, I think, and I think we don't need that scene to understand the conflict that Kylo is undergoing. Like, I think that they do a good job of establishing that over to the two and a half movies that we've seen up to that point, that Kylo is just conflicted as Ray is about, you know. They could have had the exact same scene with Harrison Ford completely cut from the shot and yeah. just talking to nothing. Yeah. And it would have been the same. But so that's why the Han scene didn't really work for me. The Luke scene did work for me. I loved the catching the lightsaber, even though I don't think, even though I, it's probably an eye rolly moment, I will admit the bring the bring the X wing out of the the water oh. that got me. I mean that was that was a great moment. It, getting so to, predictable. Getting it was, but it, it still got me. And getting to see Ray behind the you know the wheel the the joystick of um yeah. of with the helmet. Luke's X wing with the helmet and everything that um, that was something that you know, meant a lot to me in this movie. So I- The fan I, service got you. Yeah, that, that was one of the moments where I, I was okay with the fan service. But let's move ahead now to the ending of the, of the film. Um, and I want to talk about- The end of this film or the end of The Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Which well, is it? <laughs> well, I want to talk about two two moments, really. We'll get to the very end in a moment, which is, yeah. Scott, what you were talking about. But I want to talk about perhaps one of the most blatant moments of fan service and- JJ you know, could cow towing to the Reddit- the people on Reddit, right? Because there's there's the, the a a subset of the fan group that it, you know, identifies themselves as Raylos who have wanted Ray and Kylo to be a thing, and that is fine, right? Like I, I'm perfectly fine with that being a fandom and them shipping Ray and and Kylo as a thing, but the problem is I don't think there's any evidence for it in any of the movies. It's and such yet, a brother sister, and yet we get a co- this copious moment, right? Where uh, sorry, where Kylo and Ray kiss. Um, and then Kylo dies, like literally dies right before. And, and or that, was he a force ghost the entire well, time? I, I think it was glaring to me, like, right, because he does literally die right after that. It's basically saying, okay, fans, here you go. This is what you wanted. We're going to have this moment. And then he's going to die. Uh, Jay, how did you see the the moment, uh, this this re- final Raylo moment here where they inexplicably kiss? I hated it. Yeah. Um, That's the true. Response. I hated it. And... <laughs> It's, you know, it is a little bit because of what you said about, you know, it being not, not a lot, I guess, of evidence being there for it in the, in the previous two films, the sequel trilogy. And, it, you know, I guess being there to, you know, appease that, again, like loud minority, as we keep calling them. Um, but also, and, you know, this goes back to how they kind of bungled their arc, right? Like, I feel like everything that happens in this movie, like up to, you know, pretty much the ending you know, makes me want to scream like Ray run, you know, like this is not someone like you should ever be involved with. Right. Like, I, I don't want to like, you know, break down like how, you know, Kylo Ren is basically an abusive boyfriend in this movie. Um, but he like, you know, their arc was terrible and he like, just to put it simply sucked. Um, yeah. Again, not, not the actor, but the character. Right. And like there, to me, there is no reason, even though he, you know, turned and came back and saved her that, she should be wanting to kiss him at the end of this movie. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, Scott. I'm guessing you're on board as well. Oh, I'm so on board because I don't like brothers and sisters kissing, and that's exactly what their relationship felt like uh, for, well, for the entire Well, then you must not like trilogy. Star Wars because it happens in A New Hope, too. But accidentally, <laughs> but accidentally right? Like, and Empire Strikes that. Back. Does it happen in Empire Strikes Back? I don't think they kiss in I don't Empire think they kiss in Empire Strikes Back. It, it happens in the, after he comes back... Um, on the ice planet, he's uh, lying in the hospital, and uh, Leia kisses him. I'm like 90% sure that happens. Oh also yeah, then, okay. You may yeah, be maybe right you may be right about that. Um, and then uh, he puts it, his it, hands it, over his head and looks up at Han, like, "Ha ha!" And we're all sitting there, like, "No, don't do it. That's your sister." 
Oh, I thought anyway. she just kissed him on the cheek then there, but maybe not. It doesn't matter. It's such a trivial point because none of that is knowing. Because as soon as as soon as Leaf, like the episode six conversation they have about it, just is like so uncomfortable and weird because they know what they've done is wrong. Um, but like, yeah, here it's just it's honestly, I didn't think that they would do this. Like, do this. I just really didn't. And it's so extra. Like the like the movie's over. Scott, people, people like, in the my theater cheered. Are you happened. serious? Yeah. Holy. Crap. That's crazy. I mean, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. It's it, a terrible choice. I think it undermines all of, like the interesting aspects of Kylo's Kylo's story. Yeah. Um, and this is like what I was referring to when I think that it wraps up so point. The fact that like he climbs out of this pit and like crawls over to Ray somehow gives him his life. I guess it's like this unexplained force dyad ability that maybe they have. And then apparently he he can stay alive long enough to give her a kiss and then uh, die and and of course become it's a Romeo and Juliet moment. I mean, yeah, no, it totally is. I mean, it's exactly, yeah. it's exactly what it is. It's very Romeo and Juliet, um, and it's and it makes no, it makes it makes negative sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And you know, again, this is I expected to be emotional going into this movie, and this is a, this is a scene where I, like I should have been emotional, right? Like I'm getting you're it's looking like ray might be dead um and it's looking like we may we may have no more ray and that you know her still being one of my favorite characters that should have gotten me but i just was finding it so difficult to summon any emotion and then that kiss the you know ridiculousness the absurdity of it really added to the fact that i couldn't experience any emotion however i did finally they did finally break down my defenses in the last five minutes or so of this movie and i'll tell you the exact moment when it happened was um, when the celebration is going on, right, like um, hearkening back to the celebration on Endor at the end of um, Return of the Jedi. And by the way, the most extra shot in the movie, the most um, ridiculous shot in the movie, the Ewoks. Oh, Why uh, was that in the movie? Um, but, I appreciate but it. Including Jar Jar in episode three at yeah. the celebration at the end, or not celebration, but the end of like, I don't know, whichever it is that they yeah. have a shot at the end of episode I mean, three. that was egregious. But um, anyway, the, the moment which finally got me was when they're celebrating, Ray comes flying in and we hear Ray's theme from John Williams because that is my favorite piece of music in Star Wars is Ray's theme. Um, I've, I've decided that. And so getting to hear that as she returns, you know, victorious lands amongst the celebration that finally got me. And, you know, it, it continued to get me uh, up to this final scene on Tatooine when Ray returns to, uh, you know, the, the home of Owen and Beru Lars, um, where we see Luke, begin his story in a new hope you know driving away from the movie i think thinking back on that that ending i thought to myself you know that i think is basically pretty much close to the ending that i would have wanted going into the movie but i didn't feel that the movie yeah, earned the ending certainly and even though it did emotionally affect me like that's just because i'm a diehard star wars fan right it's not because like it's the it's the labor of other movies. Not yes, that. yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and you know, you mentioned the shot of the two sons. Like I was waiting for it. Like when she's standing with there with BBA oh. and like they're showing her her legs and everything. I was like, come on, give it to me, give me the shot. And then we That's got the my shot. Joy. Yeah, and that was. Now I, I I will say I don't think that the, the last line was necessary. Um, I don't know. But Jay, what did you think about this final scene on Tatooine? So you you brought up earlier how we you asked me if I thought you know they had somehow done Anakin dirty. Uh, you know, in everything that happens in this film, right? And I almost laughed to myself a little bit uh, in this scene. Obviously, you know, that, that Tucson shot was incredible and, uh, you know, I got the throwback and whatnot. But also, didn't Luke kind of hate Tatooine? 
um, sort of buried his lightsaber there. Like, obviously, I know we had to do it for the nostalgia moments, but I almost chuckled to myself when I remembered. Like, I could just hear him in my head, you know, complaining about wanting to go get his power converters or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was, I mean, I, I got a small laugh out of that, but I thought it was good. Um, I, I like how you, uh, Scott, phrased it about, you know, it was the the labor of the previous movies that made this ending you know, emotional or like impactful. It wasn't this movie that had earned it itself. Um, you know, we, we haven't touched on the gold lightsaber yet. Um, it, it, to me, like I walked away and I was almost like, I wish they had somehow introduced that and she had used it sooner. Um, although, I mean, I, you know, I guess her using, you know, Luke and Leia's lightsabers was also, you know. You didn't like the introduction of Leia's lightsaber into the movie? No, no I, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, so the, that's why no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. No, it's, I'm, I'm the yellow short. lightsaber was was cool though. That yeah, really, it's it, just to sell more merch. Well, I mean, if, that's it, right? Because we'll never get to see it used, presumably. So to go oh, super nerdy presumably. on you here, in in Knights of the Old Republic, it is revealed oh, that um, the yellow lightsaber, right? Like, so the blue it's light gold more than yellow. Well, yeah. yeah, but the they refer to it as yellow in Knights oh, of the Old okay. Republic. But the blue lightsaber is supposed to indicate someone who has very strong like. It is good with the physical manifestations of the force, so like lightsaber um, combat. combat, basically. Um, whereas the green lightsaber signifies someone who is really in touch with the mental part of the force. What's like, like that's what we see. Luke, powers. Yes, yeah. that's what we see Luke having in Return of the Jedi because he, you know, like, is almost meditative in the way that he has this sort of philosophical understanding of the force. The yellow lightsaber for sentinels is what they're called is for people who have like the combination of the two, right? Who, who have the mental side of the force and the physical side of the force. And I think that that makes sense for Ray to have here at the end of the movie, right? Because we've talked about, she's the most powerful Jedi that we have seen in, in the Skywalker saga. And so I think it's, it's, it makes sense if that, if, if they're even like um, paying heed to that, you know, part of the Star Wars lore at all um, the, to have the yellow lightsaber, right? Because she has both parts of the force in such a balanced way. Like she has brought balance to the force sort of um, in such a way that she deserves to have the the yellow lightsaber. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I, dis- I disagree. I mean, I, I definitely think that's what they're going for, but I disagree that she has proven that she has mastered the physical and mental com- components of the force. I, I mean, I, yeah, she almost loses to, to the emperor. So. Yeah, I mean, please, he's used that trick at least one other time in Return of the Jedi yeah. when he when he's using, you know, fight like you at the scene, you get to look at all the Star Destroyers up in the air, shooting, right? shooting different ships. Um, oh, as for the last line, uh, and th- this is something I was thinking about, you know, after you talked about, you know, we were talking about Rey's lineage and how, you know, you liked the previous message or the message that The Last Jedi kind of, you know, gave of anyone can wear the mask, right? To me, and this was, you know, kind of my gripe with how they did Luke, you know, which I ultimately respected in The Last Jedi, even though I didn't necessarily love from the get-go, was that through the first six films, like, this is a story about the Skywalkers, right? Like, the Skywalker family, basically. And if you think of it like that, and maybe I shouldn't, you know, with the exception of, uh, I mean, you know, we we have, how am I trying to say this? We have, you know, moments, you know, where Anakin, you know, finally you know, redeemed himself and, you know, Luke, of course, you know, being a part of that. And then later on, you know, coming back around at the end of The Last Jedi, ultimately, like, the Skywalkers don't actually fare that well, right? I mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, maybe the long-term implications of this movie are, are better than that. And, that you know, there is that message of, you know, Ray, like, you know, kind of choosing her own path, like not being, 
tied to her like lineage and don't be, af- don't be afraid of who you are and all that. Right. But to me, like, you know, we had, this was the Skywalker saga. And ultimately, you know, even if to me, like, you know, Ben Solo coming back and, you know, fighting at the end, like that wasn't satisfying for me. Like to me, like the Skywalkers didn't really rise, if that makes sense. I mean, I think the rise is, I mean, okay. If you want to break this down, I think that, um, I mean, the sequel, if you, if you include the Skywalkers in the sequel trilogy, it's really about, it's about Ben, right? Like if you're, if you're drawing the through line, Ben is, you know, Kylo is the Skywalker that we're talking about in the sequel trilogy. If you talk about the rise of Skywalker in the title, that's like Ray deciding that she's going to call herself a Skywalker to me. Sure. And that's, that's the line, right? Like, well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like Anakin and Ben, right? Like didn't like have, like they weren't good people for most of like, you know, what we saw, right? Sure. But like, I don't know, like you don't have to be a good person. I don't know. Like, I mean, all this, I mean, again, to me, like, maybe this is, you know, a product of having seen the prequel trilogy first and watching Anakin grow up and all that. Like, I, I've been trying to place this, but to me, like, you know, there, there should have been a little bit more done right by the Skywalkers. And like, to me, we just didn't get that. And if I don't want to necessarily open this can of worms, but like, you know, if we had, you know, had more Leia and maybe Leia's original plan, like, you know, maybe that would have been somewhat different. But to me, like the way this kind of wraps things up, like it was kind of a nice moment when, you know, Ray, like, you know, I'm Ray Skywalker, but I didn't care for it too much. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I, and I'm sure that if they'd had Carrie Fisher available, that she would have been a much bigger part of this movie. Um, but they don't have that. And maybe that's that's an unfortunate circumstance. Like we've already mentioned, there's no reason to rehash that. But, you know, maybe that's that is that is something that they should have, you know, taken taken the time to fix in their in their story and the arc that they were creating since they you know they knew since 2016 this was going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we can move into the wrap up phase now, guys. And I I want to call kind of an audible with respect to our MVPs because I think you know we're in agreement that this movie was a big disappointment. Um, so rather than name our Rise of Skywalker MVPs, let's think back on the Skywalker saga as a whole. Who is your MVP from the Skywalker saga, Jay? Oh boy, yeah, uh, way to call an audible there. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, I mean, it's a great question, and uh, I can, I can, I can say mine if you want me to. I mean, I'll go first, you know, just for the sake of being consistent, right? Like, I think I will ultimately give it to Mark Hamill. Um, he was only the MVP for me of one movie, um, but you know, to me, like, you know, he, I mean, he is like Luke Skywalker. He plays an important part in the original and the sequel trilogy. Um, you know, e- even though, you know, we kind of had to watch him like grow into the role a little bit in the first couple, like, you know, to me, like Mark Hamill is star Wars. Yeah. For me, I'm trying to, do, I'm just trying to, so basically the way that I'm thinking about it is, is the, is three way. Well, three, three characters. I think you have Ewan McGregor, who's my MVP from the prequels. Mm-hmm. I have Harrison Ford, who's my MVP from the original trilogy, and I've got Adam Driver, who would be my MVP for the sequel trilogy. And, you know, these three all incredibly accomplished, like A-list of the A-list actors, like very, very strong performers. And for me, it's hard, it's hard for me to pick Ewan McGregor because he's he's just saddled in a trilogy of movies that doesn't like it's just not as good as the as the other two trilogies. And so it really comes down to Harrison Ford and Adam Driver for me. And you know, like honestly, 
I think that until the last 20 to 30 minutes of this film, I would have said Adam Driver is actually the MVP, like the most interesting character, most nuanced, best performance of anyone in the series. And I, I would ship that. But like that last scene is so bad that he gets like the way that his arc wraps up is just yeah. so poor. And so I am going to go with Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I think, you you know, you hit the nail on the head there, Scott, in terms of what you look at here. And that's the full arcs that these characters undergo. And I think for that reason, for me, like a character like Ray or Kylo, which may be going into the movie, I would have thought, yeah, they have a chance to be the MVP. They're ultimately not my MVP because the end, it's impossible to think back on this character without thinking about the unsatisfying way that they're um, arc wrapped up. And so I think because for me, you have to look at the full scope of, of the, each character's arc. I agree with Jay. I think it's Luke Skywalker. I think that he has the best arc in all of Star Wars, starting as that whiny kid yeah. that we see at the beginning of A New Hope and ending he up with this in, incredible epic scene at the end of The Last Jedi. Um, he goes through so many highs and lows throughout the saga. It's the most believable and realistic character, I think, in in Star Wars and the you know the biggest hero because he is flawed he's a flawed person and and annoying right yeah he's he's even annoying at, at, at sometimes and i think that that gives us something that we as the audience can connect to in this franchise that relies so much on the fantastical and you know is set in space yeah. um there, there's a lot of disconnect with reality in terms of like the plots of these movies yeah. but i think that luke skywalker gives us something to hold on to and to connect to. Yep. And I think that he's the MVP of the Skywalker saga, which yep. is probably the way it should be. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I mean, that's totally fair. And I'm, I'm not going to hold any, yeah, any and, grudge against that because he, his ending is the most satisfying. Right. And, and to go, I think if you had to pick a second person, I think it is Han Solo. Cause I think yep. he has a great arc as well. Um, and so I think he's a close second for me, but it is Luke just because right. That ending is so epic in the last Jedi. Sorry. I know that I said Harrison Ford, but what I meant was BB-8. <laughs> True legend was, of the was force. criminally underused in this movie. No, it, it's it's Babu Frick. He even though he only appears and yeah. yeah. Um, okay, it's not Greg Gunberg's. Like what? What is his character's name? He's the one who Leia says, "Could you be more optimistic when you tell the?" the oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, pivoting back to the rise of Skywalker. Skywalker for a second. Uh, Jay, your favorite scene or moment from this movie? Um, my favorite scene or moment. Um, it's like he doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> no, and, and again, it's not like I haven't been thinking about it. It's just, you know, we get down to it and, you know, a lot of like the bigger moments just, you know, kind of let they me down that. a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, I, I will go ahead and give it to any time Babu Frick was on screen. That's so sad. And I know you just made a joke about that. The best scene or moment in episode nine. There, no, I'm... I mean, like, if you want me to give it to a real moment, sure. Like, Ray using the Force lightning uh, in the desert. Like, you know, that was epic. But again, like, I really just don't want to give that credit. I will begrudgingly since you just, you know, poked me about it. But... Um, well, no, I'm just... No, I wasn't poking you about it. I'm saying it's sad that that is... Like, that is the that is the highlight of a movie that should be full of highlights of characters that already exist. And we're wrapping up their stories. You know, it's just... It's disappointing in that respect. Fair enough. All right. Um... Oh, we got Scott, your favorite yeah, scene yeah. or moment, yeah. Um, yeah, so my favorite scene or moment, like, I love BB-8 so much. God, I love that droid. Um, I think that, for me, it probably would be the same scene, which is a real shame because we saw that scene in the trailer. Like, it would have even been cooler if I hadn't seen it in the trailer, like, nine times before this film. Uh, but it is that scene in the desert. And then, of course, we don't see the Force lightning 
in the in the trailer. But I do like that. One of the things we haven't talked about at all is that like the the dark ray thing. Uh, which, yeah. It's a it is just that it is just a it's just a, a force uh, kind of like Darth Vader in Episode Five uh, when when Luke goes into the into the cave. Um, but yeah, no, she, that that was kind of underwhelming in that sense because that was a moment where I think would have been cool if she actually dueled herself. Uh, that that might have been a cool moment. But um, no, they just give you the double sided red lightsaber just because it's the fan favorite. So we got to give it to you. Uh, moment, but no, I have to go with the same scene that Jade is. I think that's a that's a cool scene, and uh, the Force lightning is the moment before they reveal it that I was confirmed that she was a Palpatine because, uh, besides Count Dooku, I don't think anyone else uses Force lightning besides Palpatine. The Emperor does he not use it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's why we know she's. Oh, a Palpatine. besides Palpatine, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah um, I'm gonna go with the Luke scene. I really, uh, you know, it's between that and the ending for me, just because I think that that um, last line maybe puts a slight damper on the ending. I'm gonna go with with Luke's return. I love the catching the lightsaber. I like, you know, whether it makes sense or not, bringing the X-wing out of the the water. That that those are the moments which really did. I, I felt emotion. I wanted to feel more emotion in this movie, but those were that was you know a couple of moments that. That really did get to me, and so um, those those are some of the moments that I will look back on fondly from Rise of Skywalker, even if I'm not in any hurry to rewatch this movie, which is sad to say, unfortunately. Guys, go rewatch this movie at IMAX just so you can see the Tenet prologue <laughs> before the film. Uh, okay, uh, scores and final rankings. Jay, we'll start with you. Given given that I'm boxed in by the Dude, Phantom no, Menace no, and Attack of the forget, Clones. Forget about boxing stuff in. Yeah, I'm gonna, seriously. Jay, I'll, I won't have the A-ball. Like, no, I'm going to give this the lowest score of any Star Wars movie, but it's not the, It's not going to be the last movie. No, on my no one is. List. has a spreadsheet of your scores and is like checking you and is going to tweet at you if you... I do. <laughs> I do. All right. Mm-hmm. You do you, man. It, I cannot I mean, believe you're okay. about to give this movie I mean, a 70 something. No. Okay, fine. No, then I'll, no I'm going to say I will listen to you and I will give it a lower score. Um... And I will try to be more careful if we ever do another series again. Wink. Um, he is going going to go ahead and get a six point two from me. Yeah, we we bullied we bullied you into that much like uh, Last Jedi haters bullied JJ into it's making this entire not. movie. Um, <laughs> Scott, your your score and well, actually, Jay, uh, just to to finish you off, um, what what are your final ranking? Where where do you uh, rank this movie out of the eleven movies? Uh, this movie is the. Uh, third to the bottom it's ahead of uh, attack of the clones and phantom menace but below and everything okay. else above it. uh scott scott your score and final rank yeah scott i'm giving this movie a 3.5 and it's number 10 okay and uh, ahead of only attack of the clones i'm guessing correct yeah. and that uh, over time i suspect that might drop below attack of the clones um 4.7 for me um again it could, probably pretty high honestly for the most disappointing movie of my life but yeah, i think yeah. i think looking back on it there are some things which i can't appreciate and you know i i like that people seem to be liking this movie that a lot of people seem to be liking this movie um now granted if if that's if it's you know a last jedi troll who is like yes this gives me what i wanted um no they can they can rot but um <laughs> people who are just genuine star wars fans and who are like i just like star wars great. I'm glad that you're enjoying this movie. I wish that I could have enjoyed this movie the same way that you do. Um, but I have to, I have to go with the 4.7 because I think that that adequately reflects my feelings afterwards. Um, for me, this movie comes in at number eight on my rankings ahead of Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and Solo. Um, I think the highs in this movie are higher than the highs in any of those movies. Like I said, I think Solo is just 
fine. It is just a fine movie. I think Revenge of the Sith really bottles the ending, and I think Attack of the Clones is just overall terrible. Oh, this movie didn't bottle um, the ending. No, I don't think it did. I think the ending scene was was pretty satisfying. But um, so th- so that's where Rise of Skywalker comes out for me. It is below the Phantom Menace. Um, come at me if you want, but well, the the ending Phantom scene in better. this movie this movie is satisfying, but the ending scene in Revenge of the Sith is also satisfying. That's true. That is true. That is true. But I I don't know. There, there were more highs in this movie. Um, but yeah. So there you go. That. That concludes our discussion of Star Wars and the Skywalker saga. Um, it has been quite a ride discussing these uh, 11 movies. Jay, we have been glad to have you along for the ride. Um, and we are going to be glad to have you along for the ride for our next series. I announced it at the end of our last Jedi episode, but if you didn't listen to that, um, I do want to announce now that starting um, in May of 2020, we will be doing a our next countdown series on the films of Christopher Nolan. We'll be watching every single Christopher Nolan movie in the lead up to Tenet. And we, we will be reviewing each of them along with Jay, just as um, we did with the star Wars films. So looking forward to starting that off with, with following um, that that'll be when you that hear movie, from no one has heard of us of. next. Um, but uh, that will be our next series. Uh, but for now, we conclude the Star Wars series. Uh, we conclude the Skywalker saga, and we hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our, forget about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mediapluckpods. Uh, go there and, and support us if you can. Even if you can't support us on Patreon, uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, do all of the things on your preferred podcast app. Check out our other podcasts as well, including the Star Wars Countdown, if you if you missed any of the episodes there. Uh, and we hope you will uh, join Scott and I on our next episode of the podcast, in which we'll, we'll be uh, having a special double episode reviewing two big movies from the Christmas period, Little Women and Uncut Gems. Well, we can still change our mind and do Cats and Bombshell if you want. Little Women and Uncut <laughs> Gems. Uh, but until then, I'm Scott Harvey for Scott Shelton and Jay Habib. Thanks for listening.